Dr. Paul Kuterman, thank you for talking to Judge Business School White Paper Series podcast today. Can you tell us a little bit about why you think self-fulfilling prophecies come true, particularly in terms of this recession? Yes. Um, so the basic idea is that people react to situations that they perceive themselves to be in rather than just to situations that they are actually in. People tend to take very real actions on the basis of their perceptions. Now, for example, if you were to take a bank run, perhaps with a very small modicum of truth, if you like, people were queuing outside a bank to withdraw money and a rumor were to start about the bank being unsound, then that rumor has the character of a self-fulfilling prophecy because more and more customers will try to get their money out while they still can, in fact leading the bank to be unsound and go into insolvency. We saw that with Northern Rock, didn't we? Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, that applies to the entire economy. Uh, a health, healthy functioning economy really is all about confidence. And really, in, particularly in recessions, the confidence that we have in the soundness of the firms in the economy can really be hugely influenced by even fairly insubstantial signals because people are trying to draw deep inferences from even small signals. And, and so would the media pe- play a part in that? We've seen Ed Balls, the school secretary this week, say that he thinks it's not a recession, it's a depression. Oops, that's a bit of a clangor, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so think about where our beliefs really come from. How do we form our beliefs about how much confidence we can place in firms that we, de- we deal with, either as customers or as producers? We look to experts, to pundits, to, to commentators, uh, to the media. Uh, and the point about the media is, of course, that millions of people see the same commentary, the same announcement or prognostication simultaneously. So it stands to reason that media is hugely influential because this forecast or commentary provide a focal point to millions of people to coordinate their economic choices as consumers, producers, buyers, sellers, investors, savers, and so on and so forth. And, and so I know that you've got an analogy in your white paper of, of Keynes and the beauty contest, and you think that's rather like the stock market is acting now. Would you like to tell us that story? Yes. Um, so I, I remember this question that was asked to me by somebody who was not an economist when I was just beginning my economics education. Uh, the question he asked me was, why is it that stock markets are so volatile? Surely the underlying or fundamental value of a company is not so volatile. Uh, I was lost for an answer at the time because I didn't know about Keynes. But in his general theory... Uh, in Chapter 12, in fact, Keynes has this most convincing answer of how perceptions affect uh, real parts of the economy. Uh, and this analogy is the beauty contest, which uh, I, I've been looking for historical examples, but I'd like to take newspaper accounts about the fact that there were such beauty contests in England in the early years of the 20th century where newspapers would print a uh, large number of photographs, I must say, in those days uh, of women, um, you know, in those old days. Uh, and then people would have to write in and say which or uh, six faces they liked the most. People who picked the most popular face 
were automatically entered into a raffle and then they could win prizes on that basis. Now, of course, in that kind of a contest, you should not really go by your own idea of what is the most attractive feature in a face. You should really go along with what other people, what you think other people will choose as the beautiful face. So it's basically a follow my leader, a self-fulfilling prophecy again, that they pick this one because they think everybody else is going to pick this one. That's right, exactly. So people are really looking to second-guess other people's choices. And the sophisticated ones are really trying to second-guess these other people's second-guessing and so on and so forth. It's an infinite process of second-guessing. So that then leads us on to the stock market today, the financial sector, and what you term as herd rule investments. I mean, that must be uh, an explanation for the situation we now find ourselves in with the collapse of the financial sector. Yes, I, w- I would think so, because uh, in almost every case, we do not want to be out on a limb. We do not want to be the one that had a very brave uh, prognostication or, or a belief of our own, and then were caught out, if you like, making huge losses as investors or having uh, you know, bet on the wrong thing. So there's a tendency in circumstances such as this for us to be looking to others to see what other people are doing and then go along with the flow, go along with the herd. So is there something we can then do to say, well, let's, let's break this follow-my-leader approach? I mean, can we ever restore the financial sector by independent thinking, different thinking? Uh, we have the banks, you know, before the Treasury Select Committee and the Commons today. Is there a way of cracking this code? Uh, it's it's very hard. I mean, it's not one of those things which can be um, instituted by any fiat, by any means, because we are thinking about, we are, we are really talking about experts uh, and commentators and pundits um, in all their variety forming their views. There must be a premium that has to be placed on independent thinking. But at the same time, the natural, natural tendency for an expert is not to go out on a limb and go along with other people. So uh, the, the only, the only uh, possibility that I can think of is, for instance, the kind of interviews that you're doing today, the podcast. If there were very large numbers of independent opportunities for people to, form, to, to, to share their views both in the form of commentary and in the form of news, then perhaps there'll be, if these variety of views were picked up uh, and spread, really, then there might be a greater spectrum rather than everybody looking over their shoulders and sharing the same kind of arguments. So do you agree, then, uh, with uh, Baroness Federa when she said there are signs of a green shoots of recovery? Do you think we should have listened to that kind of uh, testimony? Yes, I, I certainly think so. Uh, now, of course, um, the, the point about the economy, I mean, this is really worth making in this year, which is the 200th anniversary of uh, Darwin, um, is that it's a hugely resilient mechanism. It's constantly adapting, constantly changing. New business models are being attempted and they're either succeeding or they're failing, of course. I mean, so that's a natural process. So all of this happens at the coal phase, if you like, of the economic functioning. Uh, Whenever we can pick out on 
any example of something working that certainly worth popularizing just as much as aggregate magnitudes of the economy such as gdp growth or inflation fall and so on and so forth are uh, if they are if they are attractive if they are if they are good news they should be popularized as well so really we should be celebrating green shoots of recovery instead of saying house prices have gone down 15% we should have said well they've only gone down by 15% look at what what have they gone up by in the past 5 years triple that you know certainly so that is one aspect of it that is to try and interpret some of these statistics from a slightly more optimistic point of view because that really has got real consequences but it's also that there are there may be particular instances you know behind these statistics of um, something new that has worked uh, in the form of innovation those things should be celebrated as well and and so would you then dr paul cuterman say in this judge business school white paper series podcast as we wind up well let's go out and let's all talk about the good optimistic things let's celebrate baroness vadera for saying there are green shoots on the horizon I would say it's not just a matter of putting a very optimistic and positive slant on every single piece of news. That's not necessarily the most convincing way to go about it. Now, if you were to take, for instance, Ed Ball's comment about how this might well be uh, the worst recession in over a hundred years, it would be perfectly understandable if, for one thing, there were. a more substantial argument explaining why exactly it is the is the worst recession over 100 years and secondly if that were really the basis for making people aware of the need for very drastic changes which the government has well in hand so in other words it would be preparing people for remedying the situation otherwise it certainly does become just simply alarmist so it's not just that for every single piece of news you put a positive slant it is that there are obviously there might be negative reasons i mean there, there might be reasons that be- make you believe that negative things are on their way but then what do we do about it and um, we have to make that clear okay so basically it is a self fulfilling prophecy and we need to talk up those green shoots to one another if not on the national stage yes i i i think that's exactly right i mean that's the summary of it Dr Paul Kuterman thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School White Paper Series podcast today I've enjoyed it Thank you very much